Hi, just a quick message before we get into um, the first episode of Topher Sphere's um, PH Squared podcast. I was given some good advice and that I need to explain a little further about ACDY5. And if you're interested in um, finding out more information about ACDY5, you can go to acdy5.org and um, find out um, more information. ACDY5 is a rare genetic mutation that usually causes a movement disorder. Um, it causes involuntary movements. Um, my specific movements that I have been diagnosed with is called Korea, which is a category, a category of dance-like jerky movements. Um, one of the hallmarks of ACDY5 is that when we sleep, when we fall asleep, our body, for some reason, um, wants to jerk all over the place. It can jerk, thrash. Um, it's my, I've been thrown off the bed before. Um, I mean, my Apple Watch several times have has um, shown me um, as running a five as running five miles when I've gotten up um, because my body um, continued to move after after I've gone to sleep. Um, part of the treatment of um, ACD Wi-Fi, which there is no said treatment, but um, part of my doctor's goals is to make my sleep as um, peaceful as possible. So I take a lot of medication to knock myself out. And depending on the day, um, my voice um, will be different. It depends on um, my, the level of sleep I got the night before, um, the stress levels I have, and um, um, how long it's been since I've taken a certain medication. Um, so I just wanted to explain to you, I think you can hear it in um, the first part of my podcast. My voice is low and subdued. And then in the second part of the podcast, um, my voice um, brightens up and becomes more um, normal to me. Also, I may slur my words at certain points in times. Um, I try to be aware of my movements, but um, most of the time, um, the movements are so, um, we're, I'm so used to them um, that I do not register them. My body um, doesn't um, register that my face is moving or um, my arms are moving. It It's just normal to me. So um, yeah, I wanted to give a little bit more information about ACDY5. Um, check out ACDY5.org. Um, and let's get into the podcast. Please stick through the first part of it. Um, I know it, it might be a little... Um, um, boring because of my voice, but um, I think there's some good stuff in it. Thank you very much, and on to the podcast. You have chosen to enter the Topher Sphere. In the Topher Sphere, the one goal we have 
is to learn the skills necessary to turn our borderline personality disorder into a superpower. Please understand this is not medical advice or a replacement for medical services. If you're in need of help, please reach out. There's help out there and know always that there's hope. I've been trying to decide how to go about expressing my um, path to recovery. And um, since there is so much that I want to talk about, I got to break it up into pieces. And so we're going to talk about um, abandonment in this episode. Um, But I first want to give some history and um, perspective about where I was and where I am now. Um, in the summer of 2020, things for me were starting to crash. Um, in 2020, I made the phone call that set me on my path um, to recovery. And I remember what I said to the intake lady. She asked me why I was seeking treatment. And my response was, if I don't do something, I'm going to lose everything. And it was real. My behavior was so destructive during this period in time, I was terrorizing my partners. Um, I was probably in a triggered state for almost... A year, I would say. The heightened emotional state where, like I talked in the intro, I was not experiencing my emotions. I was reacting to them. So neither one of my partners knew how I was going to react to a certain situation. When I made the phone call, I was in the middle of crisis. So when you're in the middle of a mental health crisis, your brain, or my brain, wanted to blame all the external um, factors for the reason it was behaving the way it was behaving. It was, if my partners would get help, things would be perfect. If I could change one external factor, things would be better. I've been going through and thinking about how I want to describe my behavior um, for the maybe year, um, year and a half before I made um, the phone call. Um, I was in a triggered state almost daily. And if you can imagine... um, Knowing that people love you and knowing that um, you're safe, I think on some, on some level I knew that, but not trusting the ground that you're standing on, not trusting the people who you know love you. 
um, and not having um, a secure um, sense of who I was. I did not have the security within myself to tell myself that I was going to be okay, that the situations, that um, the problems that I were ha- I was having, and um, that we were experiencing in my relation in my relationships, um, were not as dramatic as I was experiencing them. This is what I mean by. Um, borderline personality disorder, people that deal with BPD, experience emotions in extremes. That's because I was experiencing trauma, reliving trauma in my head over and over again. All I could feel was my pain. I did not care about anyone else. I wanted myself out of pain and um, it was, it's a horrible feeling to be in that state. I later realized that those around me during this time were getting the brunt of my prior trauma. This also, during this time, I believe I was in um, a detached state. Um, my brain had set everything up, had all the facts, had created a narrative and um, tried and convicted the people that were um, responsible for hurting me. And that was the people that were directly um, involved with me, that loved me. And it was not true. My brain was lying to me. It just knew it was in that my brain was in pain my body was in pain and it picked um causes it picked um fights it picked um it the first couple months of therapy that i was in little changed um within my behavior and within my um, relationships. Um, we were still having daily um, blowout arguments that lasted um, hours on end and usually ended up um, with someone leaving for the night. Um, so the t- this was a very um, st- stressful time for everyone in the house. And I remember... Um, my counselor asking me what I thought I could do to help myself when I was triggered emotionally. And we came up with um, an idea, and I'm going to share it. It worked um, very well for me. It helped me get through the first couple months, um, and it helped me get to the point of where um, I could start looking inward and what I what my counselor um, and I decided on me doing was I was to record messages to myself um, messages saying 
I know that you're hurting right now. I know that you don't trust anyone right now, but you can trust this voice. You can trust that the situation is not as extreme as it seems. That was the key to the messages I recorded for myself. I recorded several different messages for several different situations. And um, when I um, knew that I was either going to blow up or had already blown up, um, I would start listening to um, the self-recorded messages. This really helped because of the one thing I said to myself. I was going to make it through and I was going to be okay. Please understand this did not work right away. It took th probably six or eight attempts of me listening to the, the messages that I pre-recorded, um, telling myself that everything was going to be okay. Everything was going to be all right. Th that my partners love me and that I can trust this voice. The goal of this, um, with my me and my counselor set a goal, which was to do no more damage, to not focus on repairing the, the damage and destruction that I had caused. That was for a later time. This, this time was to do no more damage, to um, get myself into a place where I could prepare to heal. At the beginning of my process, I thought I would um, go in for six to seven months and um, speak with a counselor get everything settled and everyone else around me and um, then live my life and everything would be perfect. That's not how it went. And then it's not how it goes either. Um, I'm just going to say this. When I realized I can only deal with myself, my reaction, and my life, that was the beginning of my healing. Before that, I kind of felt responsible. I took on more responsibility from others than I should have. Because, well, where did my worth come from? If I wasn't doing anything for people, if I wasn't um, performing, um, where was my worth? Um, and this was a big concept that I think we have in society. Society values production. It values um, making money or um, um, producing. And if you don't produce or are not productive, where is your value? Now, um, most people have 
inner value. They have an inner um, knowing of their value and their strengths and weaknesses and things like that. I was missing this. I was missing that inner personality strength that knew who Topher was, that knew um, where Topher started and where Topher ended, that knew no matter what, Topher was gonna be okay. And um, I never developed this. I am still in the process, probably just beginning the process of developing it. I was just speaking with one of my friends um, the other day and um, I was talking about some of my behavior when um, when I was going through everything and I said, you know, I, I apologize for um, dragging her into it. Um, but I said, you know, um, I could not see that I was going to be okay. It felt like the world was dropping out from underneath me. And um, when you're in that kind of abandonment triggerment, it's hard to trust anything. It's hard to um, trust yourself even sometimes. Like there were sometimes I would listen to the pre-recorded messages that I recorded for myself and I'd be like, bullshit. <laughs> you know, um, I'm lying to myself. I, um, it was, it was a time, um, but things got better. Um, counselor asked me if I knew anything about borderline personality disorder. And, you know, I think I said something about um, girl interrupted. Um, but, um, and that's honestly all I knew about um, borderline personality disorder. I knew um, some bad things about it. Though, um, my counselor asked me to look up um, the symptoms and see if, if I thought um, any of the symptoms had, ma had matched. Unbeknownst to me, she'd already diagnosed me with borderline personality um, disorder and um, was trying to lead me down the path um, for treatment for borderline personality disorder. Um, I remember looking at looking up um, the symptoms. I think I was looking at WebMD or maybe it was Mayo Clinic and I looked at um, one of my partners and I said, oh my gosh, this is me. This has been my whole life. And um, I think it wasn't an epiphany, but it was um, felt good to know I wasn't alone. That um, one thing helped me um, get the, the strength to go through 
what I was gonna have to go through. And that meant dealing with um, the hurt and um, letting myself be vulnerable, trusting someone enough to be vulnerable. And once I was in the place and ready to heal, I started dealing with my past. And it started with my dad. And um, I don't want to talk about this situation too much, but it is important, I think, um, for you to have context. That means I had to start at the beginning. And that was scary. Um, my whole life growing up, I, um, I don't know if I was told or if it was just understood, but I was illegitimate. I was the dirty little secret um, of my dad. Um, and um, no one talked about it in my, in my family. Um, no one talked about um, the dirty little secret. And this was all because my dad came up with the idea that I was not his. Instead of face his responsibility concerning his son, he just said I didn't exist. I wasn't his. Um, my mom was lying. Um, the paternity test was lying. Um, so I lived under that label for most of my life. I lived under the label of um, feeling like a fraud. Um, I carried his name for most of my life. Um, I just recently changed it because I took Topher back. Um, it was difficult. I felt all through school I couldn't I couldn't say who my dad was. I had a half brother um, that was six months younger than me and have never met him. I think they grew up um, a half a mile away from um, where I lived. Um, it hurt. What makes a man not want to have anything to do with his son and I was angry I was angry but what I didn't realize is that I had never allowed myself to be angry I had never validated myself in this situation I was the child um that's where I've talked a little bit about um today brain and yesterday's memories um in my as i was growing up i took responsibility for that relationship not being what it should be i internalized the rejection and um it was not my fault i was the child my dad 
maybe have been um, a young man when I was born, but he became an adult at some point in time, and um, it was his responsibility to take care of his, his child. I didn't bear that responsibility. I decided I was taking off the label that I had placed on myself. The label of being the dirty secret, the illegitimate child. Um, and I mean, at a young age, I knew I was illegitimate. That was um, a concept that I grasped very early. Um, and in, in counseling, I was, I was told to let myself be angry, feel my feelings, and then ride them to the end. And take an honest look at the situation. I was a baby. I was not a man. I needed a dad. And I know some of you might be thinking, Topher, you're blaming external um, factors again. Um, no, this is different. I processed my feelings about my dad in that situation and saw that that dirty little secret that I was talking about earlier that I mentioned followed me that feeling followed me throughout my whole life. Much of my life, I felt like I was a fraud, illegitimate. If people find out um, how much of a fraud I am, um, they're going to leave me. They're not going to like me. They're um, going to judge me. That was something that I dealt with, and I still deal with. I still deal with the pain of not having a dad. But the difference now is I validate it. I give myself a voice. I have agency over my life. And I have built enough self-worth that I no longer need his external validation. I have developed enough self-value to know that I did not deserve to be treated like that. I did not deserve to be abandoned. Okay, all right, we're done with the heavy stuff. Let, every episode I wanna um, try to give you um, tips and um, tricks um, to help yourself cope with extreme emotions or extreme situations. And I wanna share um, today the stop skill. The stop skill was one of the first skills of DBT that I learned. And it's super easy. It sounds silly. It sounds oversimplified. And I think that they're supposed to be that way. It's stop. S stands for stop. Stop what you're doing. If you're arguing or if you're feeling um, like you're going to explode or you are in the middle of exploding, um, stop. Just stop in your tracks. Um, 
Second is T. Take a step back. Take a step back. Walk out of the room if you have to. Um, and like I said, with these skills, this skill is um, a do more, do no more damage skill. So you're taking a step back and then you're going to observe the situation. Observe the situation truthfully and mindfully. If you're unable to do that, you stay at the take a step back step. You do not proceed until you can observe mindfully and proceed mindfully. That's what the P stands for and the O stands for. You can stay at any step for as long as you want. Um, I would not suggest staying there permanently at the, at the stop step, but if you have stopped what you were doing and observed that you cannot proceed mindfully, then don't proceed. Distract yourself. Get away from the situation. Leave if you have to. Um, do whatever you it takes to not cause any more damage. Um, it worked. It worked for me. Um, it takes practice. Everything with DBT and borderline personality um, disorder takes practice. But we're gonna get there. I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna turn borderline personality disorder into my superpower. And I hope you join me um, for my next episode. Um, I think I'm going to dive into my occult past. Um, I was raised in an occult. The Ark of Jesus Church occult um, that my grandmother ran, um, funny enough, on my dad's side. And um, I think it's relevant at this point in time, especially um, with a lot of things that are going on in the world. Um, just the dynamics of how um, our religious um, cult worked um, and the external pressures that it placed on me. Um, yeah, um, so unless um, the listeners say they want to hear something else, um, we're going to talk about um, occults um, in the next episode. So I hope to um, have you listen and hope um, that you'll come back. Thank you very much.